that is that like, is that is like Mexican print. Mexican gum or yeah no that's chicle no this is a chicle <laughs> so, I know. Phenomenal. We're, we're we appreciate it. I'm, I'm besides myself. I've, I've got to, uh, yeah, uh, humility. That, that's where it, that's well, what it comes in now. I, I gotta say, I'm just, I'm just a regular guy. I don't know. I'm, I'm not that interesting. I, I barely know what to say half the time. Ah, oh, come on, Andy. You're just, you're being too humble there, my friend. You're being too humble because you know, you know how amazing you are, my friend. That's all there is to it. Yeah, I, I don't believe it. <laughs> anyway, let, let's see here. I was I was going to take it easy today, but I better crack open, I guess, my first beer. This is medicinal use. Of course, of course. You got to get yourself back to the mindset, the mind frame. I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to that mind frame. You had a wild weekend, huh? I did, man. As a matter wild of fact, couple I days. Had, Tell I, me about it. Well, I had a friend's birthday on the Saturday that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Celebrated a lovely, uh, I don't know. 48th birthday, I think, for one of my friends. He's getting up there. And then another one of my friends had a bachelor party awesome. on Labor Day. A Labor Day motherfucking bachelor party. Yeah, that's not a bad time to have a bachelor party. No, it's a terrible time okay. to have a bachelor party. Well, the idea of this one, I mean, it was a great party. I mean, we pushed the limits, the stress fractures in my mind. Uh, it almost, both hemispheres damn near collapsed in. It collapsed in, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Tremendous. I don't know if I've ever gonna if I'm ever going to recover from this. I've still had a haze <laughs> over my mind. Today's Wednesday now, I hope, and uh, yeah, it's it's it, still I'm barely gaining back clarity. So it started off at about six in the morning. Okay, everybody loads up in the car and heads out to this uh, swap meet, and I'm talking. It is a South American haven for like uh, bric-a-brac and clothing and churros and. Uh, relics from the industrial age, you know. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna suggest that churros may not be South American, but whatever. Continue with the well, story. Well, you know, I'm, I, it, it's just there, you know, for the kids. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's of course. Something, you know, for the kids. Hey, for the kids, you've got uh, like auto shop displays and stuff like that from the '70s. I Ooh. know a friend of mine bought a whole uh, air freshener display. Of uh, nude '70s women, huh. you know. Oh yeah, that that's look? right. A lot of bush. I mean, I don't know if what the scent was. I would imagine maybe like marijuana scent or <laughs> like back then, you know, musk, Javon <laughs> musk. I have no idea, but they they were. They were quite uh, entertaining. They were all fantastic. Right. All right, so let's fast forward. Here you guys, you yeah, boys fast are all... And then we go bar to bar to bar. I mean, and we're Which talking still early morning. Uh, well, we left Gardena, and then we made our way into Long Beach. So Long Beach? Yeah. In Long Beach, we went to uh, this place. I'm going to give them a little plug, because uh, some people know about it, but Poor Richard's. Hmm. And at Poor Richard's Bar, 
we had ourselves a whiskey and donuts for breakfast. Whisk, that's a great breakfast. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking that might be my uh, new shop I'm going to open up in maybe Portland, Oregon. I'm thinking that thing will take off overnight. Whiskey and donut breakfast. Well, this is going to replace our uh, bail bonds and cakes ideas from a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, bail bonds and cakes is a good one. I, another friend of mine had this fantastic idea for uh, a shop called Dangerously Sweet Jesus. Okay. And that would be a... Uh, Christian books, confectionaries, and gun store. <laughs> Calling it dangerously sweet Jesus. Da- well, yeah. That's... So, so he wants he wants to make big money on buying back uh, half, uh, like uh, the divorce wedding cake. Like after the year it didn't work out, some people put their wedding cakes in the freezer, and right. he had this great market on where you know you can come in and turn in that half of a cake and get a discount on the gun you're going to blow yourself away with. <laughs> you know, or go on a rampage with. All right, so they're actually <laughs> serving whiskey and donuts at Poor Richards. Yeah, well, there's a donut store right next door, and uh, that's where we got the donuts from. But yeah, the whiskey's flowing all morning long. I mean, I had myself maybe like a uh, coconut encrusted glazed donut and uh, an old fashioned, and that was just in the back. That was in the back of the place. When I finally came inside, I had a glazed donut and a fucking. Yeah, yeah, that was not funny at all. I didn't even get. I just got a smile from you. You're like uncertain what I'm talking about. No, how's that? What's, well, no, I think, what's, I think what's the, was the joke that it was a glazed donut. No, I think there were like double entendres. Was there? I was hoping uh, so. I coconut mean, cream. <laughs> and an old fashioned. I think the only one is the old fashioned. The old the old fashioned donuts is like you know those. Oh, ones. I thought you had like an old fashioned whiskey. Like, or, like or I, there's just double like, what, like an old fashioned is like. And um, old fashioned is also a hand job. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, well then... Uh, hey, it's a bachelor party. In retrospect, I might have left. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I'll laugh for you. Thanks, man. Thank you. Good deal. So, uh, let's see here, man. What are our beautiful topics for today? Well, hey, man. I, I know we had a pretty good team-building exercise over the weekend. You and I, uh, we went out and we uh, caught a local art show, a little uh, closing, an exhibition. Like a, one of my friends, artist by the name of Chatismo, or you know Steve Amato, as his uh, God-given name is, yeah. uh, had a closing art exhibition. Had a, we had a really good time while we were there. A lot of good art, a lot of beers. Oh yeah, man. You know what? That space was actually quite nice. I, I really like the way that he had that place set up. I don't, uh, I don't know if it was like a artist loft or it was like a dual uh i, I don't i don't know it, it looked like it was also a living space you know it's well yeah no, an it's, art gallery the funny thing is yeah it's it's an actual shop setup right so it has like a glass front but he does live there so all the time he's got he's just got it boarded up with paper mm-hmm. and when he has an actual show what he'll do is he'll just throw all the furniture in the back yeah and he will clear every, all, the entire space out so that people can. It'll it'll just be an open area, and then it'll just have arts art lining up, up and down the walls. Dude, it was actually quite beautiful. I mean, what, the, the only thing that kind of tipped me off that maybe it could be. It looked like a very very. It was obviously a, a high class gallery. Once you went to the back, that was like you know kind of the galley area, like where you could prep for like uh, get all the hors d'oeuvres ready for you know a show. Uh, it was kind of like the kitchen prep area, right? 
it had like granite counters right. and like a legitimate refrigerator there. It, it looked and, honestly, guys. And the, and the refrigerator had food in there with leftovers. Yeah, that I didn't understand. I was thinking like, did we miss something here? Like, what what took place before did we, get we got here? Late? Well, yeah, there was, yeah, there was, there was like a, a Thanksgiving dinner that took place before we got here, and all the leftovers are in there. But fucking fantastic selection of beer. Thank, thank that gallery. If you if you're listening right now, beautiful place. Chatsismo Studios. Yeah, it was it was an amazing event. We had a really fun time. Oh, yeah. A lot of the artists were there too, so we got to mingle with the artists. It's always kind of tricky when you mingle with artists because you know what it is. You you don't want to get stuck in the corner with with someone you do not want to talk to. And well, it, then again, you also want people that are there purchasing the art. I mean, a lot of the artists can be there. It looked to me that they had you know uh, quite a bit of. Uh, artists on the wall. I'm going to say maybe I noticed about 10 different names, and I wasn't certain if all of them were actually there uh, at the closing. I used to own a couple galleries, Dan, and I've actually had a couple of shows, and uh, realistically, it, it can work out in such a way to where your artists can outnumber the actual patrons sometimes. Right. All depends on, you know, what, what you're offering in the place. Free booze, free food, it's like, you're going to have a bunch of starving artists in there. And you're going to have a book tiger book and tiger radio there when you have the free booze that's exactly man you're gonna have us broadcasting live from your gallery we should offer that next time (laughs) yeah honest to god uh but i I saw some beautiful works of art uh one of them that uh, took me back a little bit there was uh an oil painting there that i saw of a uh of an older man sitting on a chair looked like you know it it was somebody's it was their best work. I, I, I don't know who that artist was. I just remember seeing it and uh, thinking, you know, it, it, you, you can tell that uh, it had one of those uh, ethnic style twists on, on uh, an oil painting. Oh, like, you know what? I, 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 I think I remember the one you're talking about now. My, my cousin, who was also at the show, mentioned that someone had said that it looked like Cesar Chavez, right? Yeah. Or it was mistaken for Cesar Chavez. When it looked absolutely not like no, nothing like, like it. it. It's just like you see any Hispanic person in an oil painting, people are like, "That's the fuck." He's Chavez. <laughs> Look at him. That's it. He's a Chavez Junior. He's the only man noteworthy enough to draw who's uh, who's Hispanic. Yeah. No hoovers or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't even know what that means. It means yeah. no graves, Andy. It means I no thought graves. it meant like no vacuums. <laughs> like no be, vacuum here. That no would be, Hoover here. That would be no espida, espiradores. That's no good. That's a terrible flag. I like no hoovers better. <laughs> no hoovers. No hoovers here. That's it. We're fucking. We're planting our Chicano ties. No hoovers. One of my favorite pieces <laughs> was the was the piece over close to the window. Which was like kind of like a two, like it was like it was one painting, but it was like a side by side panel. Yeah. And on one panel, it had uh, what uh, another friend of ours described as the Marlboro Man in profile, right? Yeah. And on the other side, it had a, I believe it was like a oh, hummingbird, hummingbird silhouetted by the moon. Yes, and, I do remember that. And I, I know, like, I know our buddy had a bit of trouble with the content, right? He just said it was a little too, I don't know, Kincaidish or. No, I, I've, I've seen this type of art style before, and it's very, very Texas. I mean, I've seen, like, uh, you're talking about, like, Austin, Texas. This is, like, a typical painting that you would see in one of, like, the South by Southwest bars. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they paid big money for it. It may have, might have cost them, like, 150 bucks to put that painting up in their bar. Right. But it's, like, that quintessence has amazing amounts of style. But, again, it's, like, something that... Uh, it, it looks like it was almost manufactured for a very, very hip 
TJ Maxx Home Goods. Oh, ouch, ouch. That's no, rough. no, I don't no. want to put the guy down. I mean, it could be mass manufactured. It's like that. Hey, I, I okay. One of the people that I used to own the rights to the artwork for uh, his his port uh, his photographs. Uh, some of them are for sale at an IKEA. You can you can go in there right. and and pick up one for your own home. It's a print. Right. I mean, basically on like poster board or whatever, whatever cheap fucking textile they're using in that in in IKEA right now. In Sweden, but, yeah. Yeah. Right. So we continue on with the team building. Oh yeah. Perfect. Right. We were hanging out with another friend who shall remain nameless, I think, or yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. We we have to leave any anybody that has top secret clearance. We got to leave them off of the. Fair enough. You have to leave them off the radio. He or she. Friends. He or, or she. she. We'll just report it. Yeah. To the fuck. Person has he. Fuck he. We'll just refer to oh, Lordy. Oh, <laughs> like life. a foreign church over here, now. Serious, man. We are in trouble. <laughs> They're just going to take this one right off of iTunes. And uh, he's telling us, uh, you know, he is a man who is all over his finances, right? He is a man who is a lot more careful with money than I can ever hope to be, right? Well, yeah, any of us. I mean, the man was sweating bullets. He'd come up with his own algorithm in his head. And I'm uncertain that he could actually add... I mean, but uh, but he spooked himself He's, oh, quite a well, bit. Well, he spooked himself. So we were talking about e- economic issues, right? Yes. One of the interesting things that we things we talked about was we talked about uh, the uh, housing bubble that just came out, right? Yeah. And he okay. told us that the next bubble, he's positive that the next bubble that's going to come around is the student loan bubble. Now, I think this made a lot of sense, right? Well, it makes perfect sense to me. Essentially, the idea is that. All right. So, (laughs) (laughs) damn it, Dan, you owe me 50 cents. You're starting this freaking topic and you're already losing yourself. So the housing bubble is out there, right? So the housing bubble happened because people were buying houses way too high and people who shouldn't be getting money to buy houses were getting money for houses from the banks, right? So all of a sudden the banks were on... Uh, or all these other, uh, well, it's, it gets complicated. I don't want to get into that. So well, that's not yeah, the important yeah. thing, you get, right? You know, but what's interesting mortgage. was he was telling he was telling us that he believes the next bubble that's going to burst is the student loan bubble. That a whole bunch of people are getting these student loans. They're not really backed by anything, right? They're backed by a government. Oh, of course they are. Right. And so, in essence, what's going to happen is everyone who has everyone is incurring tons and tons and tons of debt. People are going not only for their, you know, uh, bachelors, but they're also going back for their masters, or of or even like, you know, their PhDs at that point. Yeah, right? higher education is what they are banking on. This was going to pay off because it's going to pay off somewhere in the future. But the idea was that these jobs in the future are not going to be there, right? Yeah. People uh, will either end up continuing to be unemployed like they are now, or another thing was underemployment, right? Where someone right. someone's taking a job that's below their oh, education level. Doctor of the Friolator. Thank God these golden arches are taking care of you because <laughs> you got your degree. I know you went out and you made your master's thesis and then you went out, got your doctorate, and now you're the doctor of making fries. The doctor of making fries. But that doctor he makes some damn good some fries. Damn good fries. He just he knows exactly how much to salt them. They're the crispiest. There's nothing worse than undersalted fries. <laughs> doctor fries. And there's nothing worse than being underemployed. Exactly. That's fucking terrible, man. It's a it's a travesty is what it is. I mean it's a goddamn shame that you have to imagine that someone's not just uh, they're enriching themselves, realistically. But well, and I think time, no, actually, hold on. Let me let me stop you right there because okay. I don't think that's necessarily true, right? I think there's a lot of, um, you know, 
secondary education, like, for example, University of Phoenix or all of these essentially, you know, profit schools that are That's out there. That's a problem, but where, we do not want to... Uh, well, hold I'm on. Sorry, wait, wait, our, our listeners, if, uh, if you're a graduate of the University of Phoenix, congratulations for you. Great job. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I really feel like those schools prepare you less for the education that you're supposed to... Essentially, they're, they're diploma factories, from what I've heard. Right? I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but from the people that I've heard it from... I don't know, man. I really, is this a really is, ITT is this double. a controversial statement? I well, I don't think it really is, but I understand that it, you know, it, obviously these 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 diploma factories could be taking uh, advantage of people looking for the quick two-year degree. I mean, that that's not even a degree; it's an AA or maybe just a certificate. I'm uncertain uh, what these people, these uh, students to these schools, are actually attaining. I mean, I've seen many commercials for this type of thing. I know that uh, a lot of service members get out and use their GI Bill or their GI Grant and pay for this University of Phoenix, you know, to take a course uh, over the internet and then become... Right, but I just don't think the internet courses have the same value as, you know, make a brick-and-mortar school. Well, of course, but are the people from DeVry getting more jobs than the people from Cornell? You know, I don't have the stats behind that, but I would imagine not. I, I, yeah, they're all in the same fucking shit boat. I mean, it sucks. Like, <laughs> I, I would just say, right. give up on I, higher education I think, altogether. I think that that, the, that question is equivalent to like, what's war? Like, what's better, puke or vomit? I mean, well, oh, go big red. You get to be the vomit. It's a little. It's a. It, it, it has higher stature. It's a, a a little more scientific name, right? <laughs> you get to be the vomit. Oh Lord! And now that Big Red is down, <laughs> no, no. But but realistically, it's one of those things where like I know that uh, academia means a lot to people's existence, uh, regardless of uh, the mass amounts of crippling debt that someone is going to accrue over their lives because right. they're not going to be able to find the job or the uh, placement in society that's going to be able to pay off this loan. Uh, it it could be devastating. But then again. There have been people in this situation for many years now going into graduate schools. It's like you're always banking on the higher the edge. It, it depends on what you're getting your degree in, too, Dan. I mean, chances are... No, I think have... that's also that's also a big thing to it right now. Because a lot of people are getting degrees in... I don't know, a lot of things where there just isn't as much demand for the degree that they think there is. I think psychology is one of those things. I think sociology is another one of those things. Yeah. Right? I think those things are worthwhile to study. I'm, I'm not knocking them inherently. But at the same time, I just don't think the demand is out there to actually study those things and then continue to try to get a job doing them. Well, of course. And that makes perfect sense. But uh, some people also get like a communications degree. And they're making, you know, maybe uh, six figures a year. Right. And some people like, uh, I don't know, some of the geniuses billionaires that we have in this world didn't even get a, a majority degree. of them don't exactly look at me right and look at all of this dan no degree <laughs> and you you built a, a mega studios yeah mega studios up. right with my own brick hands brick, yeah. i mean it, it's probably illegal and uh it, none of this Let's is owned by the do, city but do not admit to <laughs> i'm just talking around yeah. yeah yeah no 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 i'm not admitting anything but um it, it's yeah it's, it's understood that I, I may also be doing a little better off than some others that are actually sweating the stress of, you know, trying to pay off these student loans. And uh, what, what, I, what I've 
only only from my own personal experience, it's the only thing that I can pull from, is that I've had people that have pursued academia, uh, had taken out you know the student loans, and then got out of school and tried to get themselves uh, established, uh, got themselves the job, and then immediately went forward with purchasing the car, and then uh, going on to try to uh, acquire the home. But what they've done is literally bury themselves in, in a heavy, heavy amount of debt, as well as anxiety that none of us can ever understand because there really isn't anything such as job security right now. Uh, with the rising amount, I'm not trying to de depress anybody. I mean, when a lot of people say, more money, more problems, that's the kind of situation, but it, it's not about having more money. It's I about trying to spread yourself out to meet the expectations that you were promised when the American dream was alive. You played by the rules. You went, you got the education, that's all taken care of. You went, you got the job, just playing playing it safe. But the economy didn't happen to match the promises and uh, the expectations that you had for where we were to be. You did everything right. There was nothing that you did wrong. And it's unfair now that everything can be taken away in one fell swoop. Ruining your credit, losing the house, fucking getting your car repossessed. All because, yeah, you ended up going six months uh, without having your job and you were spread too thin. And then looking for new work, you've gone two years with nothing on the horizon. Answer that, Mr. Obama. Where's that fucking job for the guy that has that degree, that paid all that good money, that he owes you? You owe that guy a little break. Give him the money back. Say, hey, you know what? Uh, we're sorry that the guy before us fucked up and took advantage of everybody and that you don't have a, a fair chance anymore. You played by the rules. You didn't do what Andy Omega did. He just said, you know what? Fuck that institution. I'm, I'm not going to give I'm blazing new trails, man. I'm, I'm making my <laughs> yeah, own path. I'm making my own path. And it's like, well, how much debt does Andy Omega have? Nothing. What can he do if he wants to? Pick up and move it wherever the fuck he pleases. Wherever the fuck he pleases. That's it. Do I have to worry about anything? No. Does he have to worry about the freaking uh, next credit card bill? Uh, no. Like, did he have a mortgage? No. I mean, it, does he sleep better than everybody else? Probably. Mm -hmm. I sleep pretty good. <laughs> I'm a deep sleeper. Yeah, you're a deep sleeper? Mm. I'm not saying that I got a better situation than most. I mean... For some, uh, life, the only uh, expectations and the only that the only meaning is materialistic things. Like, the nicer the car, the nicer the house, it symbolizes that you've done something with your life. Wait, real quick, so are you going to go on a tirade against materialism when we're, when we're in the middle of the Omega Studios, which has the most shit I've ever seen in any room? <laughs> no, 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 no. Materialism is what I'm built on. I'm Fair not going to go on a all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm just going to say, like, realistically, I've had the nice cars. I've had the Unfortunately, the government doesn't want me to drive anymore. Because you can't go 120 miles an hour everywhere you feel like. That that may be a shortcoming of the government. You're right about that. Mm, yeah, right? The Autobahn. Maybe I'm ready for Germany. <laughs> Maybe the question is whether or not Germany is ready for you, my friend. Ah, that's... <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I don't want to offend a whole other. The Schweizer. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Next Oops. topic. Moving on. We're flying through it, Andy. We're flying through it. Beef rap. Could lead to getting teeth capped. Or even a reef from all dudes on some beef crap. I suggest to change the diet. It could lead to high blood pressure if you're fried. Or even a stroke. 
Heart attack, heart disease It ain't no starting back once arteries start to squeeze Take the easy way out, phony Until then, they know they wouldn't be talking that baloney in the bullpen So disgusting, part of suffers I So this week's special guest is going to be Joseph Mahon Andy, you've known him the longest Give us the rundown Oh yeah, man, Joseph Mahon He's a celebrity chef now Young, about 32, maybe 33 years old uh, Trained in the south of France uh, Was... The Apprentice under uh, Chef Balud out in uh, New York, and then came out here back to California where he was born and raised, and uh, ended up being, uh, he took over Bastide Restaurant. Bastide Restaurant's this gorgeous restaurant over in uh, the Melrose Place territory of Hollywood. Mm. Well, recently, Joseph gave us a tour of his brand new, or actually, it's not even open yet. Not even yet. open yet. It's in, uh, in, what's it? In, Fullerton, California. Under construction at the moment, in Fullerton, California. This is our on-site wow. interview with him uh, on your iPhone, so. Book in Tiger oh, Radio. Loft up there or something like that, whatever you're yeah, doing with that. Yeah, I need that. That's an extra fucking four grand or something. Damn. Damn. <laughs> so now, Mahon. What possessed you to start a burger restaurant after there's so many burger What separates your restaurant from all of these new upstarts? You got like, from what I've seen in this area, you have the Anami Burger, you got, uh, who, who, who else? Who else is a big name? Do you think a contender around here? I think it's probably... Uh, well, you have a lot of people. You have the, the counter. You have the Cabot, the counter. You have uh, Umami. You have... G Burger, and you have a series of other kind of uh, other burger joints. I think it's always a good sign of a healthy market. You know, if, you, if you have a lot of people going towards that. However, I think our point of difference is uh, is a story, a resume, and probably overall quality for the price point that we're going to be offering. So I think if we can have a good story, a price point uh, of maybe a twelve dollar burger. And we could sell it for eight dollars. I think I think we're off to a better start than most, uh, so, and it becomes more of a weekly habit instead of a special occasion habit. So you used to be the executive chef of Bastide, yes, out in uh, the lovely Melrose Place area of Hollywood, and Correct. that is uh, it was uh, owned, operated by Joe Pitka, yes. super famous director. Yes. Every single Super Bowl commercial that you've ever loved, he was the producer of. Correct. <laughs> Is that the type of flavor you're going to bring to this place? I mean, that yeah. was, that's pretty high-end stuff. I mean, even Asseline Publishing Company mm-hmm. moved into that spot. Like, yeah. you were some, part of something big. I mean, that made you famous. Yeah. Well, I think it gave me a little bit more notoriety. I think also to kind of complete the, the answer to your first question, though, is uh, with that story comes along credibility. And I think credibility, instant credibility, I think that we're able to establish in a short time at Early Bird will only kind of seep over to an already established clientele for Burger Parlor. Um, And I think we're going to be able to hit the ground running and because we're already established. uh, So it only builds a story. It only builds more people talking about it. And I think that we're able to really set up for not only right now, but for the future in the next three to five years. I mean, my, I think my place in this restaurant is to kind of help it grow. And yeah. I think when we got off to a great start during early board and a couple opened up Bastide is we're setting it up to grow. And I think this is kind of a lot of a series of what 14 to 15 years coming together mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I seem to recall maybe about 
seven, eight years ago, you'd had this idea for a build your own burger place yeah. called The Stack. Uh-huh. How I do mean, you stack it? How do you stack it, that right? Be, that's still in the pipeline. That's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, it, but seven, eight years later, I mean, there's a bunch of businesses that ended up flourishing taking that kind of business model. Like, do you ever think of what, what if back then you were to be the first on the block to, you know, I think, to I think put so. that into the style? Like, you could have been the counter. Yeah, you know, I think, I, think all those, I think all those situations are kind of very, very rare, and, and I don't want to compare myself to any, any of those. I think... Certain things happen at certain times. Just think, you know, you only have one shot to get in the game. You're only going to have that certain amount of capital probably once. So you got to make it work. I don't know if my management skills, my foresight, or my maturity uh, as a person would have been ready for that type of growth. And potentially, uh, it could be catastrophic. So I really think right now, I think I have the infrastructure, I have the credibility, and I have the ability to influence, I think, some some of my managers and the people that I will hire for these establishments, I, it it will work out long term better now than it would have been maybe five years ago, and it took me a long time to realize. Take a look at this fucking venue. I mean, I I would take pictures of it right now for you listeners and post them up, but it's still the work in progress. But uh, the bones are still here. Yeah, yeah, no bones shit. Here. Like this is, dude. This place is phenomenal. I mean, it's a amazing layout. Like, I love the subway tiles that you got. Like, that's, it reminds me of New York immediately. Take a look at that and, and boom. And those, and all these will be tiled too. It's gonna be an open, open kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, good, good deal here. So everything kind of, the whole idea, the whole scope of the project just completely manifested yesterday. Wow. So it's, it's uh, definitely, definitely a happy time, but uh, we have to kind of rework a little little bit of the loose ends mm -hmm. and uh, make sure that we hit the ground running well, and we have to hit the ground running from day one for sure it's not this evolution I mean you gotta ha we have to ha forecast any of these type of uh, loopholes or hurdles before they even happen and I think we'll have a better chance of making sure that people return quicker and uh, yeah well, I already, I already read all the reviews that you, you've already had write-ups in the Los Angeles Times. You're yeah. pretty much the, uh, you're, you're, you're the starlet right now of OC Weekly. I mean, those people have been waiting with bated breath to get this place open. <laughs> the restaurant's not even open. You're already on the top 100 list, right? Yeah. You know, and the other, the other crazy thing is what I've witnessed, and I wish you all the fucking luck. I mean, yeah. right now, that early bird, you, you've, you've, you've uh, showed such humility now. Like, that place was packed. You had a lineup out the fucking door. Yeah. I mean, it's quite obvious you're, you're making money. You guys are going to hopefully still continue to make money hand over fist. You guys are offering quality product, yeah. great price. Well, I think it's the Japanese thing. I think it's, uh, you know, the Honda or the Toyota system is like quality and efficiency with price together. You know, yeah. I think that's what we have to do in the restaurant business is you know, for burgers, or, I mean, we could charge two or three more dollars. I, there's no doubt in my mind, but I don't know if people would find the value in it. I, I would imagine you are, you're geared up to be another success. Like, what was the idea? We had to evaluate that. First? We had to evaluate that at Early Bird, though. Early Bird was really kind of the, the wake-up call about six weeks ago that potentially this can be more than maybe what I even thought it could be. So... I thought it was my job as the owner is to prepare for that and make sure that it happens. No yeah, what. yeah. 
but we have one hand washing the other, so to speak. And the more I talk with people at Early Bird, the more people talk to me about Burger Parlor, and it just reconfirms that the awareness is there. People know about it. Oh, and people I think, know about it. Yeah. The thing is, I think I keep myself in the dark because I don't want to adhere to the pressure. Yeah. yeah. So don't, don't over. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't. Over, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I just I, I really disregard any of that stuff. Yeah. And I just try to stay the course. And talk to my wife as much as possible because she'll chop me down it. Yeah. <laughs> You're worthless, you bum. What are you doing? Get out of here. Yeah, exactly. So she, she keeps me grounded, man. Kidneys needs to be changed. Yeah, yeah. These diapers need yeah, to be changed. Diapers. Who do you think you are, Mr. <laughs> Burger Man? Yeah, yeah. Here's a big shot. Big yeah. shot. Yeah, exactly. You don't know what it's like. Exactly. So <laughs> she she's been instrumental. So I try to keep uh, I try to keep to her as as much as possible. Uh, and, and hopefully have one foot in front of the other. But once again, just be set up for growth, be set up for volume. But you know what? It really seems like you have something working in your favor since people were kind of expecting this to have come maybe before early bird. I think that people may have expected to have a burger parlor mm -hmm. before. I don't even think people knew that there was going to be a breakfast restaurant even in the works. I mean, what, what brainchild was that? You, you, met the, you came in and thought... It, Let's open up two restaurants at one time. That's no. fucking unheard of in this economy. Yeah, that's nuts. That's balls of brass, my friend. <laughs> Stones. Stones. <laughs> Good grief. Um, uh, I found I found my partners, or I thought we all had the same values, same principles, and and the same outlook, which is to open a lot of restaurants and to make sure that we're doing a great product. In six months, you're like, yeah, we had this dream of yeah. opening up a bunch of restaurants well, at the same well, time. Some dreams come to you quickly, man. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Burger, I, Early Bird just came by really, really quick. Um, I was something that I was throwing around, the idea I was throwing around to them. I said, well, why don't we open a breakfast lunch place? I don't think there's a lot of competition for it in uh, North Orange County, and I think we had, there's a good opportunity for it. And uh, Jonathan Moulton, which is a chef de cuisine, he was moving to Orange County and I wanted I wouldn't have done the project without Jonathan uh, because I, I thought he was the right fit for for those type of that type of concept and I think he would thrive in that type of concept and I think he's doing a great job oh everything uh, we had this morning was delicious I mean I want to personally thank mm. John and he's done, yeah, he's he's done a great job he's done a great job and I thought he was perfect for that concept so I think there was a lot of things kind of coming together um, the, uh, the the ability to kind of fill a void, but also have a couple key guys that are really instrumental in making that operation work were present, um, and that's my two partners as well as uh, Sh uh, Chef Chef Moulton. So I thought that um, you know I'd never deny an opportunity. I'm not going to say no. We're going to try our bat you know our best and uh, make sure that it's badass. That's it. There's no other options. So. Yeah. And it's sure working. Well, it's working, and it's going to continue to work, hopefully. But, you know, it's a good team effort, and, you know, we're, we're happy with the initial response, and hopefully we can capitalize on it and move forward. Well, Chef Joe Mahon, this has been – thank you for the yeah. time showing us around. Yeah. That marquee out I'm here in so front glad. of Burger Parlor says opening September 2012. That's it. It is September 2012. <laughs> and we are opening. We are opening. Good man, this is it. This is this is what you've been aiming for. This was the idea. Now that's coming into fruition. Like uh, when you were first going to culinary school, 
I mean, you, you have the dream and aspiration to finally own your own place. Yeah. Like, uh, it, that was about, you know, damn near a long, a long time, time ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had to complete the goals, man. Yeah, you or make I'd all those steps. Them. I mean, I always believe that it, there's no such thing as luck. It's just where preparation and timing meet. You I only so. get those opportunities when you finally seize them. You take them by the reins, and if you're worth a damn, then obviously you're, you're built for success. Well, that was but so, there's that a lot of bullshitters really out there. I mean, there's a lot of people that are real good talkers. <laughs> I'm saying they get themselves right out there. I mean, yeah. it looks good. Uh-huh. Like on the outside, it's all fucking glitter and gold. On the inside, is nothing but dust. I know. I like, dust I like the idea of Andy warning other people about bullshitters, you know? <laughs> I love that, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he knows. He knows. I it. know. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that. Um, you know, the thing is, is we seize the opportunity. I seize the opportunity with Early Bird. I mean, they, if it's got to be open simultaneously within a couple months from each other, then that's the way my, my, my cards were dealt. But uh, we'll make those adjustments. We'll make sure that uh, they move forward with the best possible uh, outcomes and make sure that we work as hard as we can to make sure those things are achieved. I mean, let's not... I'm a big, I'm a big believer in changing circumstances, not being a victim of circumstance. We're, we'll get famous. We're going to get famous, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, Chef Joseph Mahon, perfect. With that kind of attitude... Thank you, sir. We appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. Thanks, guys. I yeah. appreciate it, man. Book and Tiger Radio. Since day one, man. Word. Woohoo! All right, let's go. Go to Burger Parlor 2012. Do you like this? Do you like the neon here? My God, man, how good was that food that we had on Saturday morning? Was oh, jeez, man, we had a waffle that was fucking to die for. It was amazing. I've honestly got never had a waffle that good. And it was great to fucking hang out with Joe around the new place. That was that was a lot of fun. I'm really glad he agreed to do that. Yeah, I'm super stoked to see that place. Like, I mean, you could just see the passion that went into something like that. It, it's, it's amazing to know that you can see... Uh, an actual establishment that looks like it, it doesn't belong there, like it was transplanted from somewhere else. I mean, I, I know that's his own style, I know that's just like the restaurant, but people, once this place opens up, if you're in Southern California, go check out the burger parlor and like you'll be taken to another place. Amen. Amen. New topic, my friend. New topic. New topic. We're talking politics again. Oh, the DNC. But the RNC, man. Did you not see uh, that Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, went fucking... Went fucking dirty. He went dirty. That that, that was dirty. He went blue with an invisible man. (laughs) So, what did you think? Did you you like that speech? Was it just a... You know disaster what? I mean, or? It, it was an absolute disaster. I mean, Book and Tiger Radio comes out a little smooth, more smooth than what uh, <laughs> did. Humble up, my friend. Humble up. I'm yeah. not sure about that. Some people would disagree. Yeah, well, you know what? I, 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 apparently not. I'm now struggling like fucking Clint Eastwood. <laughs> uh, it was one of those deals where all I can do is put my head in my hands and just think to myself, my fucking party's ruined. It's done. 
We might as well just cash in the chips right now. I, I mean, mean, I think the real big loss that the like the Republicans suffered it was like they had a really great introduction to Mitt Romney video that played beforehand, and for whatever reason they decided to do Clint Eastwood instead of that video, uh, and now everyone can only talk about Clint Eastwood. I mean, Marco Rubio. Did you see the Marco Rubio speech? No. The Marco Marco Rubio, uh, who is uh, the I, nah, I think he's like the senator out of Florida. I'm yeah, not sure. Senator out of Florida. Senator out of Florida. Like he gave a really really strong speech, but he's no good, one is talking about it. Absolutely no one. And then Mitt Romney like gave us the best speech out of his life. Like as a, as a Democrat, I'm gonna tell you it's it's full of lies and absolute bullshit. But oh yeah, yeah. at the same time. Uh, it, it trumped Clint Eastwood, right? I mean, because it didn't. Well, that's the problem. It didn't trump Clint, Clint Eastwood because, like, the only lasting memory from that convention is now going to be Clint Eastwood screaming at a chair. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, it sucks that uh, he he's basically the epitome and the uh, stereotypical uh, crazy old man yelling at the kids to get off of the fucking lawn. You know, like. The Mexicans came in here and took our jobs, and you know these colors don't run. Like yeah, that, I that's, think that's more John McCain than it is. Well, I know that that's John McCain, but it's an unfortunate uh, set of circumstances that end up, you know, just really exacerbating the stereotype of what the party is and what it has become. Like right now, he's become the face of the Republican Party, or Which what is, it is. Like yeah. just. Old and crazy. Old and crazy is not a good face to That's have. That's not a good face to have. No. DNC, my friend. The DNC. Did you check out Michelle Obama's speech? See that? Look at it. I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to have to change affiliations, man. Just after uh, Michelle Obama's. Uh, <laughs> you're turning the shit into the. You're turning the shit into the reverse editing calls, my friend. You got to step up for your party every once in a while. I, I'm trying to, but you know, after they just freaking uh, laid Ron Paul to waste. Like I was thinking, you know, there was there we really didn't have any strong candidates. I mean, I guess we could have had Marco Rubio in there if they would have done something like that. It would have been remarkable. But it's almost like since we just elected the first black president, it would be highly unlikely that we would end up nominating the first Hispanic president. Right. I'm not saying that we're years away from doing that, but only because uh, we've had such difficulty with. Um, you know, uh, the uh, our immigration laws and trying to revise uh, what's just been done with the DREAM Act and uh, it it's with the Republican Party it's really frowned upon. Like right now, even right. though uh, Marco Rubio's established, he's well-spoken, highly educated, he's a fantastic senator, I mean he just seems like a very likable guy, super charismatic. Uh, the Republican Party right now still sees, you know, any person of brown skin as kind of this invader i mean they could be they could have been more could be you and myself dan and it could be like uh you know i just get viewed not well that doesn't happen quite often but i i can get roped into a situation where it's like oh yeah that's just another fucking typical you know that's funny that's that's only happened to me one time in my life i remember one time me and uh, my nephew George, right? Mm-hmm. My nephew from like a half brother, so he's he's exactly the same age as I am, right? Yeah. We're walking from our car to Blockbuster Video, right? And <laughs> Did a uh, truck pull up and be like, "Hey, those no, <laughs> this in the back of the truck." No, this this truck pulled up, <laughs> looked at us, and was like, "Hey, you fucking wetbacks, go back to where you come from." Uh, and then drove on, and I remember me and George looked at each other and we're like. 
were they talking about us? Really? Yeah, you're like looking over your shoulder, like, oh my lord, did that just happen to me? Did that just happen? Oh yeah, I remember I was at Disneyland years ago, and it was probably the most racist thing that happened, but I didn't really care, I just kind of uh, rolled off my back, but this girl walked right past me and looks me in the face, and it was, she's passing me, just goes, Spick! Really? Oh, oh yeah. What were you doing? Oh, the walking down Main Street. <laughs> That's all I was doing. You fucking Spick. Yeah, for sure. Goddamn what that. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> I'm like, I, I had to ask Scott, like, Scott was rolling. He was there. Right. I said, what the fuck's a this spick? Is, this, is, this is our buddy Scott from high school, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What the fuck's a spick? I learned. I learned something yeah, new I guess, that day. Yeah, like, oh, I don't uh, like it. And it's well, a thank terrible. Thank you for teaching me a, a new freaking uh, derogative term, you know? I, I suppose so. Like, if I was going to turn Hispanic into any other word, I would turn it into, like, hisp. Oh, God is damn. that where it came from? I'm pretty just, sure. Like, That's reversing Hispanic just when the spick. Well, I think you just, like, take out the H-I and the A-N, and that's where it comes from. It's too creative, Dan. I doubt that anybody did that. I would imagine it's because they like to clean the floors with spick and span. <laughs> it was like, just give them half the, half the title of the cleaner they use. That's, I don't know if that's worse or better. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> hey, look, sure. I'm not here to freaking uh, pave the roads for, uh, you know. I'm not a civil rights movement. I'm, I'm not your Cesar Chavez. I'm just a freaking asshole. <laughs> so talking talking about civil rights, let's talk about the DNC, my friend. Okay, civil rights in the DNC. The DNC just started yesterday, right? Yes. My God, they went crazy with the whole like uh, women's rights, gays' rights. Like every single time they could talk about that kind of those kinds of social issues, they just popped it in. Well, you you know the reasoning behind that. I mean, it's not it, it's quite obvious for everybody because uh, both parties are extremely polarized. And what it comes down to is the simple belief system that and also uh, being able to take uh, words at face value. It's not necessarily like I remember the last uh, the the last presidential race they called Talking them about gotcha 2008? Yeah, 2008. Well, when, like, there was Sarah one Palin person was putting her foot in her mouth. One person time. called it a gotcha question, and that was Sarah Palin, because because they got her every single fucking got time, her regardless. Time. It, regardless of the question was like, what kind of magazines do you read? Which is the most bullshit question ever. Exactly. That was a gotcha question. We got gotcha question. Well, you know, there are some people that are susceptible to that, and that was the woman that was. I mean, they could just put her in the crosshairs and take her down. But in this situation, when you have a party that's extremely polarized, it comes down to like the belief system of the party. When it comes down to the beliefs of, uh, and it's all bet on the civil rights movements that uh, the liberals take and say, well, you know what, everyone is equal, therefore anyone should be able to get married, no big deal, and that's done with. Uh, women should be paid as much as a male should because they're doing the same amount of work if not more and not be hit by this glass ceiling now this is just a kind of typical stuff that makes sense to anybody yeah I'm totally fine with that I think my issue is the fact that every single person came out and just reinforced that time and time again it was just like they were forcing it down our throats well that's what happens because it's one of these things where you have to bring it to the forefront of people's consciousness like I believe it's something that people need to be told something three times in in order to re- remember or realize what's actually going on and take notice. That's why, that's like, funny. what's what's that joke? That's why it's what. That's why it's X X X or or that's girls, 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 girls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to tell someone three fucking times. But uh, yeah, put shoving it down people's throats. 
doesn't seem like that big of a deal when it's for a just cause. I mean, because there's a lot of people to rally behind that. What it comes down to is the DNC can really dominate and take this election as well as it did the last one, because the last one was a landslide. I mean, the Republicans didn't really come out and say that by popular vote standards. That was a landslide victory. Right, but by popular vote standards, Gore would have won, so... Yeah, of course. I mean, but it wasn't even... Gore would have won by, like, a million votes. He was, like, 300,000 votes away, you know? It was still very, very close. And, obviously, he, he did lose that, as we know, in the Electoral College, but that was our big loss. I mean, it sucks. Like we, our country is devastated. It's ruined. Uh, but the one thing that the DNC has been trying to sell everybody aside from, hey, the gays can marry everybody, and hey, women should make more money, and uh, hey, you know, we helped you, even though it, it's it's tough. The Republicans are only running off of one stand. What is that stand, Eddie? We built it. And it's a, it's that, a that is the most bullshit stand I've ever heard in my is, life. It That's is the, the worst stand. You can't tell me you're going to bat with We Built It. I mean, no, it's horrible because they took that right out of context. I mean, it's it, this should be something that is so commonplace, but it's not that the Republican Party is stupid, okay. it's that the Republican Party is racist, <laughs> the Republican Party is sexist. The Republican Party is a plutocracy, and they do not want to fess up to... It, it's, it could be looked at as the evils of the world, but it's one of these things to where you have to look at it in the reverse spectrum. There is a belief that fascism would never have taken place if they had not gotten so liberal. Like, had the belief system not expanded to become so welcoming of every single idea and just been, you know, fine, that sounds good. Hey, you know what? Uh, This guy, Hitler, uh, he wrote this book. I mean, it's it's mainly about him growing up in Austria. It's terribly written. But uh, he does think that the Jews are the cause of all the banking problems of the world. I'm sorry. Are you, as a Republican, comparing the Republican Party to the the Nazis? No, the Liberal Party is the Nazis, you see, because... they the, like the Nazi Party. Everybody got behind it. They were like, "Well, you know what, uh, Deutschland, we should expand. We should be able to do whatever uh, takes place." It, it's kind of funny how that happens. But uh, conservative, being a conservative, they would have tied in the reins and said, "Oh, whoa, 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 that kind of belief system that that's not the old way of doing it. Like that's that's some progressive thinking." Someone comes up and says, "Hey, you know what? Uh, our country wouldn't be so bad off." But the reason why it's so bad off is because the Jews made it bad off. You know, they got all the money. They're the ones... Dude, I'm going to call 50 cents right here. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Well, that's what it is. That's the idea. Like, uh, you... Look, I'm going to double down on this. The no idea, way! I'm going to double down oh, on it. Oh, man. No, 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 no. We're gonna, I'm, we're gonna, I'm not being, oh, I'm not being no. anti-Semitic. I'm not being anti-Semitic, but this is what... No, I do, I, like, no, you're not being anti-Semitic, but somehow, like, you've made this parallelism between the Jews and the... Dem- or, sorry... The Nazis and the Democrats? I just Yeah, Nazis and the like, Democrats. Oh, well, the Liberal like, Party. And you know, you know the internet argument that the first person to invoke Nazism loses the argument automatically, right? Well, that, that, that's just, that sucks if that's what happened. But, I mean, you have to understand, a lot of people followed behind it. It's like, you can get the rally cry going. It's like, if you have something like, yes, we can, yes, we can, and people want to believe in change, in a major change, well, it can sway into, 
hey, you know what? Let's open up a couple Auschwitz here and let's uh, try to get rid of those Jews. I mean, we're going to benefit the country. So any positive message that we can think of will provoke people to uh, put other people into... But that's the most liberal way of thinking. Genocidic. Uh, genocide. Yeah, that's the most liberal way of thinking. Like, you have to think... Like, realistically... <laughs> Yeah, you give me that look. Like, how can that be liberal? I'm because that, look that's at what free the fuck? thinking. Are you really going into this? I am. It's so just the ability to thinking. think freely gives you the license to like kill other people. Pretty much in a genocidic manner. Yeah, genocidic I mean, when, when or genocidic. Genocidic manner. When everybody gets behind it. When it becomes like a national pride like and hey, you don't think the kind of jingoism or xenophobia that you know takes place in the republican party is more likely to cause this kind of genocidic beliefs in people than the yeah we can do it no i i don't think so i think if anything what's going to happen is uh with with the republican party unfortunately you're going to get you're more likely to be fleeced of all the money and all the opportunity to succeed in this country like as opposed to actually being killed like by being put in a gas well, chamber it's kind you, of you may be starved to death it's there's there's a bit of a difference between like being put into a gas chamber and having your taxes raised by 10 percent. well yeah and then and now i'm just saying that the most liberal way of thinking creates the most out of the box thinking i i, I the most liberal way of life creates the most out of the box thinking is that not true? No, I think by definition that is true, but I don't see what the connection is between like uh, having a free-thinking ability and Well, that's genocide. just it. I mean, pretty soon someone's going to come up with this idea, just like the Mein Kampf. I mean, that, that was the... So, so you think liberalism leads to the Mein Kampf? It possibly... There's, there's many different facets that you can go in. In that instant, that's what happened. Uh, that, that actually uh, happened. That's history. I mean, it wasn't like he was saying, hey, you know what, although he was saying, we can remember a Deutschland when it was only German people. It, the fact of the matter is, I mean, that, that's just not true. I, the Jews have been nomads for since the dawn of time. It's like they really didn't have a home. Like, they were always in Eastern Europe. They were always, they, they were everywhere. I mean, so his, his point was kind of moot, but he got his entire country behind him in a way that no one has done Probably since Barack Obama. What about uh, Juan Perón in Argentina in the late 70s? Uh, you know what? Again, that's just another example of what our country is now. Like, all we did was become Argentina. We're suffering. We, we could have seen that in the beginning. And I mean, we have both of our parties to blame. But again, we have to get back to the rudimentary, like, who came up with this initial idea, this free thought to let the free market run wild without any regulation. That's George W. Bush. No, as a matter of fact, it wasn't George Bush. It was actually Bill Clinton who repealed Glass-Steagall. I mean, if that was in place, then realistically, a lot of these uh, bank oversights would have been caught or they would have been limited uh, to not be able to run amok as they did. But uh, yeah, that happened during the uh, Clinton era. Well, and Bill Clinton made it so that way anyone could purchase a home who wanted to buy a home. I mean, there were people out there getting these mortgages that should have never been able to afford these mortgages. And that is, aside from, that was one of the Achilles heels that brought down our economy. That bubble was set into place. The thing that 
Bill Clinton. That was absolutely terrible. Was he like allowed us to trade with China without imposing incredible tariffs on China? Well, yeah, I think that, that was a really bad thing for the U.S. economy. I don't think that the uh, problems caused by the housing issues were policy until the George W. Bush administration, because the George W. Bush administration is the administration under which investors figured out that they could make a lot of money by selling uh, packaged mortgages as stocks. Well, yeah, that was... And and it was a giant downfall that we ended up taking because they were able to do that. And uh, a very, very unfortunate set of circumstances that they would also were able to place uh, our credit default swaps on that. Like uh, being able to wage and uh, hedge against these terrible loans, you know, failing. Like you can't have that bet. You win and win. All right. Well, back to the DNC. Then. Yeah, yeah. Did you like Michelle Obama's speech? Did you watch Michelle Obama's speech? Oh, it's fucking speech? brilliant, man. Yeah, it's pretty fucking amazing, wasn't it? Oh, dude, remarkable. I couldn't believe that she killed it like that. She did like, a that is, great I'm, fucking I'm, job. I'm almost certain that Barack is extremely proud of his wife. I mean, the first lady... Well, the thing, really I think there was, a, there was an article in the New York Times a couple days ago about how competitive Barack Obama is, right? He absolutely has to win at everything, which is one of the things that makes him, a, you know, a very good politician. Um, so I think the I think the outcome of this this whole thing is that he's just going to try to one up her. Like she put on one of the best speeches that have ever been put on at a uh, DNC convention. So he's uh, he's probably working overtime right now to try to do a better job. And if he does, I mean, I think it's just going to put that whole RNC thing to shame, man. Well, I think it's already happened. I mean, there there really isn't even a competition between the two. Like, if one was more entertaining than the other, it's definitely going to end up being the DNC. Uh, it's it was just an absolute clusterfuck that ended up happening with the uh, with the RNC. They even lost one day to a hurricane or to a tropical storm. It happens, you know? man. It happens every once in a while. You gotta lose a day to a storm. Fuck, dude. It's it's just a wash. I mean, at this point, just freaking. Let's just cut our losses. Let's just uh, let these people secede to, like, the Republic of Texas. I mean, if they want, just sign over Texas to them. Give them all the guns they want, and then you're going to have to uh, give them that old, even though I don't want to use that, just uh, the, old, the old Marxist uh, statement. If you give them enough rope, they'll hang themselves. Amen. This week's media of the week is Los Fabulosos Cadillacs album Hola. Los Fabulosos Cadillacs? Translates into the Fabulous Cadillacs. Very nice. Have you heard of them or no? No, I've never heard of these guys. See, that's the wonderful thing. This is an Argentine ska band. 
uh, from about they formed in 1985. That was when their first album came out. Wow, right. that's like the first wave, or I guess uh, yeah, maybe second wave ska. That was like a, the two tone era. So these guys were in Argentina, were like the specials and madness, and everybody are out here in like England and America. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I found out about them when I traveled to Argentina back in 2001. I want to say mm-hmm. right. And the thing that really struck me about them is they're so different from everything that you hear around here. Now, living in the Southern California area, yeah, we only listen to a couple of things when it comes to like Spanish music, right? You have um, probably like the Mexican straight out, like just Tigres del Norte music, which is like the dunga, 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 dunga. You know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're not pouring out a fucking window of some beat up truck with like a exactly, the exactly, yeah. right? Every once in a while, you hear you'll hear some salsa. Yeah, which I, is pretty I, good. I, I mean, I can you can't salsa. Play that I mean, salsa. Yeah, everyone yeah, likes yeah, it every yeah, once I mean, in a while, right? Of course, little Afro-Cuban jazz. You know? Amen, amen. And then you will hear some absolute pop bullshit like uh, uh, pitbull, some reggaeton. I, I didn't even know that guy was like Hispanic. <laughs> He sings in Spanish, man. Come I don't on. know. I don't listen to any of that stuff. I mean, I just thought like pitbull was like I've heard it. I mean, I've heard the name. I know it's getting played on, like, you know, the big popular radio station stuff like that, like Kiss FM, I would suppose. But yeah, I've, I've never really listened to this. Stuff. So never. into so into my life comes Los Fabulosos Cadillacs, and they are an amazing rock band, right? And they're not the the typical rock in español like Maná or something, where you can kind of know what you're getting. Yeah, they are a straight out rock band, and they're a really really good band. You're explaining this to somebody that has absolutely no idea. I. I've, I, I'm, I'm not a span. I don't even speak Spanish, so it's like I, I, I don't know. I, I know what I like. Your Italian I, roots have to grasp some of this, Andy. Yeah, of course. I, I love the beats. I mean, that's that's one thing. Like, I spin a lot of music, and believe it or not, like I, I've DJed uh, parties actually as of recently. Like, I've got all of this music. All of it's like Mexican music, maybe like Cuban what? music. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, if I can think of the names right off the top of my head. I got like a Ramon Ayala. Ramon Ayala. I think I've heard of the guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, the type of music is called Norteño. Oh, that's the Tunga Tunga shit, yeah. That sounds about right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, it's like I've got some of this music and some people like request that stuff. I have it on, on the roster, like in the catalog, just in case. Like I'm at a party here. And someone actually requests that stuff. I mean, you don't want to upset them. Like, like you try to you try to run the gamut of everything. You but should I, probably upset them, Andy. That's... I, but I don't think I, I. I'm sure I, I upset them greatly. I don't know what any of those songs are about. I don't know what they're singing about. For all I know, they're talking about like you know, freaking adultery and like you know murdering your brother, which is what I think a lot of the songs are about. Most of the stuff is pretty much like uh, uh, verbalizing what you see in those. Uh, s- small comic porns that I find in the barbershop when I was 10. Oh, man, yeah. Exactly. So, Los Fabulosos Cadillacs in 2001 played played a set in uh, Estadio Obras Santarias in Argentina. Whoa. It's in Buenos Aires. Never been? Yeah, yeah. Well, you should go. It's a really fun place, man. Oh, my God. The food there is so fucking delicious. It's well, ridiculous. I know about food. I've met a couple Argentines here, and uh, the, uh, they're like... Uh, the mix of uh, Hispanic Italian folks. It's like, uh, dude, let me let me take you out for some empanadas one of these days. I mean, that shit is delicious. 
for sure. You show me the place, dude. I'll be there. We'll Look be there. Yeah, I d- yeah. There's a place in Anaheim. It's amazing. All right, I like. So that. you got some amazing songs on this album. Like the whole okay. thing is a very high energy album, right? Imagine Well, it's Scott, Yeah, and definitely like the the crowd, the audience, because it's 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 a it's a South American audience. Mm-hmm. They almost have more energy than you would find in any North American audience. It's, it's really kind of funny that way. I've, I've seen some stuff. Like, uh, you know what? I saw a show about... It was a movie about Iron Maiden playing in Buenos Aires. Exactly. And that just looked like it was fucking nuts, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I, they were, like, in broken English. Like, I, I, I couldn't even do a proper impression. I, I just sound like a fucking an asshole again. But uh, it was like, wrong to a hill. You know, it was like all broken up. But they were fucking loving it. People were like, oh, oh I made it number one. Exactly. No, they, like, for some reason, they just uh, are a lot less inhibited when it comes to, like, showing that you actually like something, you know? Whereas I think specifically here in, like, Southern California, like, we have to be impressed. Like, you really have to knock us out before we're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah, you know what, I, I really get upset about that because it seems like everyone's these lemmings out here. Uh, in, in L.A., it happens all the time, especially with, like, our sports teams. I don't want to go off too far on a tangent, but we got the biggest freaking uh, bandwagoners ever. It's like... I, I totally forget that we have the fucking hockey team, the Kings. I mean, I, I don't even well, I mean, at the same time, in Southern California, like we don't have ice, so it's easy to forget that there's a team that plays. Yeah, and then a I'm gonna upset ice. like the one freaking Kings fan listener that we. No, got there's right a now lot of Kings fans out there, and those Kings fans are incredibly loyal. Oh, no, but, totally. but for the population in general, like it just does not make sense for us to have a hockey team. No, it doesn't. But we won the Stanley Cup, right? I think it's a matter. of... Yeah, you're right. Yes. But back to Los Pelos oh, Cadillacs, yeah. yeah. So uh, some really good songs off the album that I, you've been hearing in the background while we've been talking mm-hmm. is uh, the opener off the album Cadillacs, which is just a straight instrumental, high energy, get the people fired up for the concert. Right. You've also heard Demasiado Presión, translates into. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the number two. Too much pressure is what it translates <laughs> into. It's a great, great song. And also, you've heard Calaveras y Dablitos, which is, uh, translates into Pumpkins and Little Devils, which is a weird title, but a great song. So, everyone out there, Booktagger Radio listeners, give it a listen, give it a whirl, see what you think. Perfect. And that was Media of the Week. Media of the week this week. Keep saying week over week. Twelve monkeys. Twelve monkeys. Uh, that's an ancient film, man. That thing was like 1993, 1992. You had uh, Bruce Willis. The only reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's been playing a couple times on the television, and I happened to catch it today. And I just thought, wow, how coincidental. Wait, hold on one second before you jump into it. Yeah. Tell yourself, tell sell yourself short, just Bruce Willis. I mean, Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt. Oh yeah, Brad Pitt playing an absolute maniac. I think that was like his breakout role. It too. was a really good role, yeah. It was. I, I heard that uh, the director, Terry Gilliam, in order to get him to act really fucking crazy in those scenes, 
he like Brad Pitt used to be a chain smoker, I guess back then, and he took all Brad Pitt's cigarettes away. Oh, what an asshole! And wouldn't what an yeah asshole. wouldn't give them back until the scene was shot uh, properly, and it drove him nuts. Who's the chicken though? That's the closer. What's her name? She's she's gorgeous. I forget it's, what her it's name not, is. It's not Kira Sedgwick. It's the other girl. What's it? Uh, it's from one of those TNT shows. Yeah. And yeah, no, she like she's on TV now, and she is not. As hot that as she was impressive. Back then. back then, like you see that movie, and you're like, "Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah, wow, wow. Yeah. this is Ooh, this is the gift thing. of youth right here." Yeah, no talent. Get out of here. Yeah. No, no, no. But uh, but that that movie, I can remember seeing it back in, uh, and I'm talking about an ancient film, but just the subject matter of it. It's like you have Terry Gilliam as a uh, director. Right. He's a he's a prominent author, right? A prominent science fiction author. Yeah, science fiction author and also uh, one of the team of um, Monty Python. Hmm. Yeah, he's one of the he he did the uh, directing and the film cinematography for all the Monty Python. And uh, it just so happens that uh, you know I'm watching this film and it's it's a, a time travel film. I mean it's set at about you know it, it's one of these situations that we, we arise at right now the whole 2012 scenario it's always doomsday end of times you know that that kind of uh, story and what happens in this one is it's like plays into the whole kind of book of revelations type it's it's its own story of that right, guy, right. and the end of earth kind of apocalyptic yeah, yeah the guy lets out a freaking lets out viruses all over the world kills all these people if you haven't seen the movie uh, bruce willis is sent back from the future where there are every people are forced to live underground to come back and figure out what exactly went wrong and how to reverse that virus but Consequently, in the movie, all the traveling back and forth and going through time uh, leaves this kind of ending that leaves everyone questioning themselves. I don't want to do a, a spoiler on you guys, but... It's not, Andy, the movie's like 20 old. years old. I think you can spoil it for people. A spoiler for people? Yeah, I mean, if they haven't or seen it now, we, well, there's a good majority of people, I think, that have gone by without seeing 12 Monkeys. And I'm not saying that it just so happens that I caught the thing that it's about a temporal loop like they finally got themselves to uh, rectify the situation be able to alleviate the world of this virus so they got down to the actual cause or the person who was releasing the virus but when you get to that moment in time if you were a time travel time traveler hypothetically 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 yeah, hypothetically so i said yeah hypothetically <laughs> if you were a time traveler and you got yourself into the situation where well now you're right at the correct time so we have to keep trying over and over again without dying you know traveling back and forth in order to get that virus out of the person's hands save the day and in actuality caused the entire scenario to never have happened I mean realistically without the virus there there wouldn't be no traveling back in time like they would all kind of negate themselves right like so all you're stuck with is this one loop like it's um what what is that what, what's that called when you can only split everything in half and half and half and half only that is Zeno's paradox my friend well that's how that movie ends is Zeno's paradox I mean, realistically, they end it with something that looks like it almost finished. There's a woman on the plane that is in the future, one of the doctors, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know what? Uh, he's, he's, where are you traveling? He's like, oh, I, I'm this guy, you know, I'm, I'm going around the world. And then she says, oh, well, I'm in insurance or whatever. And that's how the movie ends. Like, oh, okay, I hope that she got that virus and took care of it. But realistically, that can't happen. It would be Xena's paradox right there. Like, 
every single time they would be it, it they would negate each other like if she was able to get that virus away from him at that moment then there would be no traveling there would be no reason for them to travel back in time right i think um well it's not that she was able to like remove the entire all the viruses from him she was able to just remove a sample of the virus from him and so now in the future they'll be able to work on a pure sample of the virus but that's your theory on that movie you see what i'm saying like like we don't and know that's that's the interesting happen. thing about the movie i yeah, mean yeah. you can just form your own theory about it there's a lot of ways you can go with that movie that's what makes it a great movie that's brilliant so people yeah that for some reason i had to come up with 12 monkeys it, it just left an absolute uh, mark on me i was noticing that at the very end like it's like okay bruce willis is wearing this freaking what looks like an apocalypse shirt not only apocalypse but it's a but a fucking tiger apocalypse hey, shirt like man, I mean, brother. the bookend tigers freaking are on him like the the prints that we have in here for the bookend tigers is covered all over that shirt i just thought my it's, life it's a sign my friend it's, it's a, sign. a sign that's it we're caught we're caught in that causality loop <laughs> Joe here, what do we have left, Dan? We got Quote of the Week, Andy. Oh, Quote of the Week. Quote of the Week comes from uh, Soren Kierkegaard. Ah, very nice. Face the facts of being what you are, for that is what changes what you are. Damn, brutal. Alrighty, Dan, on that note... Hey, man, if you like the show, tell a friend. Give us a, give us a rating on iTunes. Yeah, please, man. We've got thousands of listeners. Absolutely no rating yet. <laughs> I don't know how that works out, man. Thank you so very much. See you next week. Bye-bye.